Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Block Talk Radio. Hey, folks, Troy Dooley, the Beachside CEO, and literally today, that's kind of where we're at. I'm out in the camper. I've been working uh, diligently through the night as I create, create, literally, but as I put together and paint and build three dollhouses for the girls. And it's it's invigorating. It's fun. I love working with my hands, as most of you guys know that have worked uh, any time with me or have followed me or been on our shows. You guys know woodworking is, is my passion. It's something that I love. I've been doing it since I was a kid, and and so this is this is fun. We've got the the doors. You know, each house is a different color, you know, and and they're expandable, which is why I'm talking about them today because we're in the law, chapter 14, the law of expansion. Growth always increases your pers- your your capacity. We're in John Maxwell's book, the 15 invaluable laws of growth, and when you think about this, growth is the key. And when you think of expansion, something I learned a long time ago is you can either you can either grow your life or grow your business with multiplication or with addition. One plus one. But when you multiply, all of a sudden you have this exponential growth. Well, the same thing reads true in your life. When you start to increase your, pers- your, your capacity, then you start to grow beyond what you first imagined. You start to grow in ways that you never dreamed. You know, Nike commercial once said, there is no finish line. And I think that's the way growth is. That's the way our potential is, is that we should never see it with a finish line. We should always see it as over the horizon. What's next? In the book, If It Ain't Broke, Break It, Robert Keigel and and Louis Patler wrote this. I thought this was good, and I don't want to read the whole thing that John put in his book. He said, we don't have a clue as to what people's limits are. All the tests, stopwatches, and finish line in the world can't measure human potential. When someone is pursuing their dream, they go as far beyond. They they'll go far beyond what their personal limitations are. The potential that exists within us is limitless and largely untapped. When you think of limits, you've created them. Now that's pretty powerful, because I've talked about this. I'm putting up a blog post here in a few minutes from Tom Halp, and, and Tom's always talked about this, is we got to break through those limiting beliefs, or in this case, those finish lines that we have. But the question is, how do you do this? How do you push yourself towards your potential? John says, the only way to increase your capacity internally is to change the way you approach personal growth. Learning more information isn't enough you must change how you think, and you must change your actions. You guys have heard me say that knowledge isn't power. Wisdom is power. And wisdom is putting that knowledge that you've learned into action. So let's look at that for a minute. I want to dig a little deeper. You guys want to write this down because it's going to help you as you dig forward in this. Number one, stop thinking more work and start thinking what works. 
See, too many times, in, at least in America, and I know we've got uh, over 100 countries that now listen in on, on what we're doing, but listen to me here on this. In most countries, most developed countries anyway, we, we think, okay, if we work harder, if we, if we work more, if we put in 45 hours instead of 35 hours, then we're going to produce something. Yet when we go to underdeveloped countries and we see how hard people work for pennies, we realize that's not true. More work will not necessarily increase your capacity. Harold, uh, or uh, Henry Ford, one of my heroes, realized that you can only work so much, and that's why he created the assembly line. Do you know your network marketing business, even your brick-and-mortar business is the same way? It isn't about you doing more. It's about bringing on people around you who can help you expand in capacity. The only way that you can grow your capacity is to change your thinking and increase those people around you where you can get more wisdom. See, hard work doesn't just cut it. Is it good? Yeah. Art Williams used to say that if you work hard, you'll beat 50% of the people. If you work smart, you'll beat another 40%. He said that last 10% is just a dogfight. Everybody's there. And I believe that he's right. But see, you need to start learning that it's not harder work, it's not more work, it's working smarter. It's working to be not just effective, but productive in your growth. One of the things that I realized a long time ago, and it's my problem, is that I thought Effort. I valued effort over effectiveness. So I thought if I work harder, if I work harder, if I work harder, if I work harder, people are going to notice that. And when I stopped trying to work harder and I started working on my effectiveness and started growing personally and people around me, that's what got noticed. I started asking myself, what's working? I look out there in network marketing, and one of the reasons I think that we have the influence we do is because I look at things and then I ponder them. And I say to myself, is this really working? Or are we doing what needs to be done? So ask yourself this, what am I required to do? What gives the greatest return? And what gives me the greatest reward? Those three questions can change your whole outlook on what you're doing. I'm using those three questions as I go into the new year. I've got to email a partner of mine today or text him or call him or do something because... One of the things we're doing is, is looking at forming a new business, and what will happen is my business and his business will own this new entity, and that's what we're looking at. And see, that's, I think, the key is as you grow forward, as you move forward. So you've got to ask yourself those three questions. Number two, stop thinking I can and start thinking how can I. Now, John says this in a particular way. We're going to read what John is talking about, and I'm going to, I'm going to throw another, another idea out here. He says, at first glance, the questions, can I and how can I, may appear very similar. However, the reality is they are worlds apart in terms of results. Can I is a question filled with hesitation and doubt. It is a question that imposes limitations. If that is the question you're regularly asking yourself, you're undermining your efforts before you even begin. I thought that was very interesting. He said, when you ask yourself, how can I... You give yourself a fighting chance to achieve something. The most common reason people don't overcome the odds is that they don't challenge themselves enough. Now, I want to change this up a little bit. 
See, I think that you can just use the two words, can I, and you don't even have to worry about how can I. Now, understand where I'm, where I'm going with this, because in the English language, two words rearranged can change the meaning. Can I is a question. I can is a statement. And I believe if you stop thinking can I, and you start thinking I can, we end up at the same destination that John's talking about in here. Because all of a sudden you change your limiting beliefs. All of a sudden your emotional internal mechanism, your brain starts to say, I can. And you start to look at things in a whole different perspective. Robert Shuler is known to say, what would you attempt if you knew you couldn't fail? That's pretty powerful. What would you attempt if you knew you could not fail? I've changed that over the years and said, if money was no object, what is it that you would do on a daily basis? See, I believe that both questions give us a passion. We start to realize deep inside what somebody wants to do. Sharon Wood, the first North American woman to climb Mount Everest, said this, I discovered it wasn't a matter of physical strength, but a matter of psychological strength. The conquest laid within my mind to penetrate those barriers of self-imposed limitations and get to the good stuff, the stuff called potential. That's pretty powerful. See, those are the things that we have to do if we're going to grow, if we're going to dig deep. We all have doubts. I mean, I'm I'm all into, you know, think positive. You know, I, I think that's the way you do that. You've you got to think positive. When I read the New Testament in the Bible, some of you may not have read that. I, I always like reading the, the, the red words. Those are words Jesus spoke. And he was always positive. Or was he? I remember an evening right before he was captured, betrayed, and given over to the Roman authorities. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. If you go to Bethlehem, or if you go to Israel, you can see this today. He's in the... He's in the Garden. And he was praying, and his words were, not why me. His words were, can this pass from me? Is there any other way? He was so psychologically stressed out. He was so emotionally distraught that there was no positiveness to him. The reason we know this is from studying science, it said at that time that Jesus was sweating blood. And what we've learned now is that when you're under extreme psychological stress. Sometimes the body will pop small capillaries and blood will mix with sweat and it looks like you're bleeding. So even the most positive person that's stretching for their potential, that wants to be positive, needs to face the reality that sometimes we're just going to freaking get stressed out. That's where Sharon Wood was. She discovered it wasn't the physical strength, it's the psychological. It's the limiting 
doubts that we put upon ourselves. Price Pitchard, in his book, You In, writes this, Your skepticism, which you presume is based on rational thinking and an objective assessment of factual data about yourself, is rooted in mental junk. Your doubts are not the product of accurate thinking, but habitual thinking. Years ago, you accepted flawed conclusions as correct. Began to live your life as if they were those warped ideas of, about your potential were true. And you ceased. This is the, the interesting thing. And you ceased. Let me, now I lost my spot. <laughs> oh. You ceased to bold experiment in living that brought you many breakthrough behaviors as a child. Now it's time for you to find the faith that you had before. See, here's here's the kicker. This is what so many people really don't get, is that we grow up a product of our environment. I, I, I'll use my mom as an example. My mom grew up as a as a country girl, living in a small town where there weren't really many secrets, and her life wasn't the, the most pretty. And as she grew into a young adult and, and made her own decisions in life, she based some of those decisions, some of her own self-worth, if you will, on flawed thinking. Now, I, I remember this deeply because it was at that age where Tom Halp talks about your mind grafts stuff. There's things I remember about my childhood that my little brother would, would, would not even remember, so I can't even talk to him about it. But I remember things. I remember actions that my mom took, things that she said. And as I've grown into an adult, I realize, wow, that was all based on her self-worth and, and the trauma and the, and the crap that she went through. And I thought, man. But then she had something happen. She had people reach out to her that cared. She found out that she could be somebody different. Doesn't mean she got rid of all her limiting beliefs, but all of a sudden she realized, based on her faith, that she was a child of God, that she could follow Jesus, that, that she could be like him if she just strived for that. And, and that became a guiding principle in her life. And as I grew older, I watched her accomplish amazing things. Oh, she went through hell sometimes. But she always, instead of going back to those early childhood experiences where people told her, you're worthless, you're not anything, you're never going to accomplish much, she went to where she learned that Jesus said, I can be everything, and she started writing poetry. See, we all go through different things, but we have to stop our limiting beliefs. We have to realize that our that that our skepticism, which we thought was based on rational thinking and an objective assessment, is really mental junk. That's the key. That's so much that we don't pay attention to that we have to. We control this. John writes, I believe God has put in every person the potential to grow, expand, and achieve. 
the first step in doing this is believing that you can. The second is just downright perseverance. Number three, stop thinking one door and start thinking many doors. And this is good. John writes this. When it comes to growth, you don't want to stake your future on one door. It may not open. It's much better to consider many possibilities and look for multiple answers to your questions. In other words, think of in terms of options. See, one of the things I had to learn a long time ago. Now, my daddy had a hard time figuring this out. But in his mind, it was his way or the highway. Now, as I per- per- grew up and I analyzed his statements to me sometimes, don't let the door hit you in the butt, boy. I came to find out that I loved some of those terms. So as my boys became teenagers, I'd say it's my way or the highway. Don't let the door hit you in the butt. I remember one day, Dalton and I had a had a, a come-to-Jesus meeting, if you will, and he decided that I wasn't as tough as my dad because I never tried to slug my dad. That Him and I'd get in a fisticuff. I won. He lost. I've I've done that with two out of my three boys. My oldest boy is smart enough to know not to do that. But I looked at Dalton and said, dude, there's the door. If you don't want to do it the way you've been told to do it, don't let that door hit you in the butt. He was 16 years old. Totally. 16 years old. Now that, that makes you wonder, doesn't it? What what is Troy thinking? What's he doing? Well, here's what I did. I realized that I had raised him right, and he was an adult. Now, some of you may say, "What? He's an adult? How can he be an adult?" Well, here's what happened. We raised him that way. So he made a choice at 16 years old and went out into the real world for six months. Called me up one day and said, Dad, can you come get me? I want to come home. I said, yeah. Now, during that time period, he thought in options. He thought with many doors. He learned that home is a safe place that he can always come to. He learned that no matter what him and his dad go through, they will always be best friends. And that he can always call and say, come get me. He learned how to be in business for himself, and he learned how to love other people. You say, Troy, what's this got to do with business? Not a doggone thing. It has to do with options. Dalton's now 22 years old. This week has been a traumatic experience for a lot of people in the United States. 20 children, 6 adults. We're taking out of this world. But Dalton, who now runs one of my blogs, because he's my business partner, runs a website called Tech and Gaming News. He's been right in the fray of this because they've they've come up and they've said, well, video games we think have something to do with this. Guns and video games is always the answer to everybody. You know, I don't know what happens when they start saying that about the porn industry. Those people big up creek. But here's the kicker. On Facebook, I put up a post that was talking about the kids and video games. And this Friday, there's going to be a stop shooting in video games as a respectful thing that they want to do on the week anniversary. And a gentleman on my post 
wrote, I think all video games should be banned. So Dalton writes to me privately, and he said, can I, can I post on your wall? So I said, sure. So you know what he shared? He said, you know, I understand where you're coming from, sir. But video games aren't the problem. Parenting is the problem. My mom and dad raised me to understand what right from wrong was, what evil from good is. I've played every video game there is because I happen to be a, an editorialist, a reporter, a, a, a beta tester inside the video games. I've seen all the graphic violence, all the, all the explosions. I've seen it all. I understand where you're coming from. But that's why we've advocated for a rating system and we advocate for parents. He goes, that's why on our community board, I am very clear to tell people, you don't come in here and trash this community. It's for children ages 13 and up. As I read his post, I was proud of the fact, and I thought backwards to options. And I see where he's had options. See, options come from us understanding that we have many doors to go through. It's not just one door. It's many. So ask yourself this, how do you increase your capacity for action? If, if it's a myth that knowledge is power, and the reality is that it's wisdom that's power, and wisdom is action that you take on the knowledge you have, then how do you increase your capacity to act when you have limiting beliefs? Write these down, it's important. Stop, this is number one, stop doing the things that you've done before and start doing those things that you could and should be doing. See, the first step towards success, I don't care what business you're in, is becoming good at what you know how to do. But the more that you do what you know, the more additional discoveries should come into play. One of the, one of the my, just my greatest guys, I've supported him for years, he was... I awarded him the, the trainer of the decade when he was when he was one of the trainers in my company. His name's Todd Falcone. I watched Todd get on the phone at about six o'clock West Coast time, which would make it eight o'clock East Coast time every morning. And he didn't go to bed until about ten o'clock at night West Coast time because he was working with people in Hawaii. And he was on the phone calling prospects all the time. And he was taking notes. And he would train. And he'd take notes. And he would train. And he'd take notes. And he would train. One day when we closed our company down, Todd had established himself as one of the greatest trainers out there. And he did it because he kept doing the thing that he was good at, being on the telephone. He went on to create some interesting things because he realized leads aren't always the answer. How do, I, how do I increase my warm market? How do I increase my local market? So before he would do anything out publicly, he would do it privately. I watched him create one of the greatest training programs that's used today by some of the top income producers, and it's how to contact professionals in your local area. It's amazing. And it's because he... he stopped doing only the things he'd done before, and he started doing the things he knew he could and should do. Mark Weezer, who was one of his top distributors in our company, Mark would bring in anywhere from 20 to 25 personals a month. 
I remember in 2001 him calling me on the phone and said, I quit. I said, seriously, you're going to quit? Why? I just can't do it. Hooked him up with Todd Falcone. He was second level to Todd at the time. Hooked him up with Todd. Two months later, he quit his full-time job. He went on to become a multimillionaire in network marketing. Because he didn't quit. He found an answer. This goes to something that Kevin Hall writes in the book Aspire. He says, a master doesn't become a master overnight. It's a process. First you must become an apprentice, then a journeyman, finally a master. Ken Dunn talks about this all the time. See, apprentice, journeyman, and master, these three words illustrate the importance of going through the fundamental and necessary steps to acquire not just humility, but also true leadership. Here's something else you've got to understand. You can't go from apprentice to master. There's no way to to break through that. You've got to continue to go. Number two, stop doing what is expected and start doing more than expected. Jack Walsh, or Welsh, rather, over at General Electric when he was there, said, getting out of the pile. This is distinguishing yourself, getting noticed, and advancing your career. It doesn't mean that you're the best at one thing and that you blow off everything else. It means that you look around and say, what am I really good at? What do I want to accomplish? What did I promise? And you go overboard with that. And you deliver more because you realize that that's what you got to do. Matter of fact, if you go back to my faith, it talks about this in the New Testament too. It says you don't work unto people, you work unto God. I remember Falcone, I'll give you another example. I was working late one night. It was about 12.30, 1 o'clock Central Standard Time. I've been on the phone with some top leaders in Hawaii. Todd buzzes me on my private line. I actually had a bat line for all of my top leaders. Todd calls and says, why the Sam Hill are you working this late, especially for the guy that's your boss? I said, dude, it's not about that. I said, you got a Bible in your house? He goes, yeah, but it's got dust on it. I said, that's all right. Blow the dust off. Pull it out. I want you to read a verse with me. I think the verse is in, in Ephesians. It says, work unto God. It's talking about slaves and masters, but it's, it's about work. It says, don't work unto your master. Work unto God. And that's what I've always done. Because I understood that's what matters most. You have to work unto something bigger. If you don't believe in God, that's cool. But you've got to think bigger. That's why I love this chapter on expansion. Folks, tomorrow we're finishing this book, and we're done until after Christmas, where we're going to talk about different leadership styles, and we'll go into the new year with some powerful new stuff. But tomorrow, the law of contribution, growing yourself, enables you to grow This is awesome. Folks, live life like it's an epic adventure. Stay dangerous. Stay strong. And if you're in network marketing, act like it. You've been listening to the Beachside CEO, heard in over 100 countries now on the Home Business Radio Network, the voice in positive powered thinking. Bye now. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.